Welcome to Full Rigor of Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and on this episode, I want to tell you the story of Art Teal. Art Teal was a black businessman in South Florida. I mean, you can't talk about black business in South Florida without talking about Arthur E. Teal. I mean, black business in South Florida started with Art Teal. He was born in 1946. He was an attorney, a Republican Party politician. In the 1980s, Ronald Reagan appointed him as head of the Urban Mass Transportation Administration, now known as the Federal Transit Administration. He did that from 1981 to 1983. He was born into a wealthy black family in Florida. He received an excellent education, a law degree at FSU, Florida State University. Go Knowles. And he became an officer in the U.S. Army. He even received a Purple Heart while serving in the Army. He later had a successful career in private practice and in politics, particularly in Miami. Art Teal was uh, head and shoulders above just about everybody uh, in, in politics in South Florida. Art was the commissioner for more than just black Miami. Art was the commissioner because he loved people. Now, as I said, Teal was a law student who went into the military after his graduation. He served the U.S. Army as a judge advocate general on the personal staff of General Henry Emerson. He was the commander of the 8th Airborne Corps in Fort Bragg from July 75 to June 77. Teal joined the ROTC in 1967. He served in the U.S. Army in Vietnam as a lieutenant and was awarded the Purple Heart in 1968 after suffering shrapnel wounds to his leg. Then he graduated from FSU with a law degree in 1973, and he made a transition from team leader for the U.S. Department of Transportation to the Republican Party after becoming disenchanted with President Jimmy Carter. I think many people became disenchanted with Jimmy Carter. He was honorably discharged from the Army, and he provided pro bono services to the defendants of the Wilmington 10, which was the most prominent civil rights case in America during the 1970s. With Teal on the defense team in 1980, the federal courts ordered a new trial for the Wilmington 10, and the attorney general dropped all charges after hearing appeals from Teal and others permitting the Wilmington 10 to go free. It was really a big deal. Who were the Wilmington 10? There were nine young men and a woman nine plus one is 10, who were wrongfully convicted in 1971 in Wilmington, North Carolina of arson and conspiracy. Most were sentenced to 29 years in prison. They all served 10 years, nearly a decade in jail before the appeal argued by Art Teal won their release. This became an internationally known case and those who were imprisoned were considered political prisoners. After that victory, he returned to private practice of law in his home state of Florida, and he became an attorney for Bill France, the founder of NASCAR. That's kind of interesting, before entering politics in Miami. And in Europe, Thiel consulted with Interpol on investigations into organized crime and international homicide cases. Obviously, this guy, Art Thiel, was a very smart man, and he did a lot for the African-American community, obviously. So in 1981, President Ronald Reagan appointed Teal to lead the Urban Mass Transportation Administration, the UMTA. He served as that administrator from 81 to 83. And then in March of 83, he was elected Miami-Dade County Commissioner in Miami, Florida, serving as the commission's chairman. So he resigned from the county commission in 1996 to run for mayor of Miami-Dade County. And he campaigned for Bob Dole in 1996 
in the presidential primaries, and this political association was raised as an issue in the African-American community during his run for mayor. He was one of the top candidates to emerge from the general election, but he was narrowly defeated in a runoff with Alex Pinellas. He became Mayor Alex Pinellas. So November 1997, he was elected to a four-year term as a city commissioner again for the city of Miami. He made some mistakes, as all humans do. But the main thing he had that I admired the most, he had a backbone and a brain. So all this sounds rosy, right? This is a great guy. He did so much for South Florida. He did so much for the black community, extremely bright, well-educated. He did a lot for his country and serving in Vietnam and receiving a Purple Heart. So what happened? What went wrong in Art Teal's life that would cause him to shoot himself in the middle of the lobby of the Miami Herald? The Miami Herald building used to be right on Biscayne Bay, just near the AAA the American Airlines Arena where the Heat play. And I was working for Metro Networks in that year. It was in 2006. And I remember when the call came over the scanner that there was a signal for or a shooting at the Miami Herald building. And apparently there was Art Teal lying on the terrazzo floor, bleeding from two bullet holes in the back of his head. Obviously never imagined someone would take their life based on what's you know, what the media has done. So what caused Art Teal to spiral out of control and eventually blow his head off in the Miami Herald lobby? Well, there was a controversial investigation and trial, and Teal was removed from office by then-Governor Jeb Bush in March of 2005. Teal's conviction stemmed from an incident with a Miami-Dade County detective who had been conducting surveillance as part of a corruption probe. Now, the probe was triggered in part by investigative articles published by... The Miami Herald. That probe had resulted in Teal being charged with 10 felony counts of unlawful compensation. The trial was set for October 2005. Teal was also under federal indictment for money laundering, mail fraud, wire fraud for allegedly helping a minority company win more than $20 million worth of electrical contracts at Miami International Airport for work that was actually undertaken by a larger non-minority company. Teal faced a possible 20 years in prison if convicted of the federal charges, but an examination of his personal financial records showed, this was after his death, that he wasn't even a rich man. He was actually in debt for a half million dollars. Art was also manipulative, uh, Machiavellian, and did whatever he needed to do to get done whatever he wanted to get done, i.e. the means justifies the ends. It was like a given that Art was someone who Nobody could figure out where his money came from. He was accepting bribes for his performance as a city commissioner. So on the day of his suicide, the Miami New Times had published a cover story on Teal, and this was his undoing. It wasn't the Miami Herald. The Miami Herald actually did the investigation that led to his arrest, but the Miami New Times published a cover story on Teal, which was based on the report of the corruption probe and detailed alleged dealings with illegal drugs and a transvestite prostitute with a criminal record. What did you do with our oral Everything. Art Hill was probably pushed over the edge when the New Times article came out. Shortly before he shot himself, Teal called Miami Herald columnist Jim DeFeedy. And when he was talking to Teal on the phone, DeFeedy later said that he could tell that Teal was very distraught and might do something. So DeFeedy pushed the record button and he taped the conversation without Teal's permission, which is illegal in Florida. 
This taping led to the dismissal of Defeaty. He was fired. And according to the tape, Teal professed his love for his wife, Stephanie, in a rambling conversation that revealed a spike in his personal anxiety. He was freaking losing his mind. Unfortunately, the accounting caught up with him. Police said that Teal entered the Herald's lobby and asked to speak with columnist Jim Defeaty that he, he knew him very well. It wasn't Defeaty that wrote the article or did the investigation. Jim Defeaty actually defended him. So while he was waiting for Defeaty to come down, and I don't think Defeaty was in the building, he pulled a black-handled pistol out of a paper bag. And that's when the security guard called 911. Hello? Teal again asked for the columnist, but as police pulled up, he put the gun to his head and fired it. He put it to the back of his head, right by the medulla oblongata, better known as the brainstem, and he fired two shots. And the guard told officers that before he pulled the trigger, Teal said, please tell my wife that I love her. Obviously, Art Teal was going through a life-changing set of events. I mean, to go from Miami-Dade commissioner to being arrested, it was a pretty big mental swing. And he, you know, he just snapped. Leading figures in South Florida's black community remembered Teal as a powerful force in business and in politics. Arthur Teal had immense clout to manipulate the system in his own way, and that's what he chose to do. The semi-automatic handgun he used to shoot himself and his signature tortoiseshell glasses blown off his face lay next to him in a pool of blood. Art Teal really sent a symbolic message to Miami's newspaper of record. You have to be really fed up and it takes a lot of balls to shoot yourself in the head in the middle of the newspaper's lobby in the middle of the day. As Mel Gibson says, sometimes you have to decide if you want to be hanging on the cross or banging in the nails. Well, you had better decide whether you're hanging on the cross or banging in the nails. Captain John Hart of Miami Fire Rescue said the former commissioner suffered two gunshot wounds to the right side of his head behind the ear. Rescuers, at first, were very encouraged that he might survive. He had no blood in his mouth, which is a good sign, and was answering questions and blinking his eyes. He was taken to Ryder Trauma Center at Jackson Memorial Hospital, which is a trauma hospital in critical but stable condition. But he was pronounced dead at 7.50 p.m. that night with his wife, Stephanie, at his side. And the reason he was charged with threatening a police officer was because the police were following his wife, Stephanie, and she was afraid. So the story in the New Times portrayed him as a womanizing politician who blatantly took bribes and consorted with nefarious characters. Detectives trailed Teal into numerous hotels and to a Hollywood train station, Hollywood, Florida train station, where they saw him kissing and holding hands with a massage therapist who was visiting him from the Bahamas, and he handed her an envelope containing 500 bucks in cash. That's according to the documents. The woman told police that Teal had given her $10,000 over the years, but didn't say what the money was for, only that she had an intimate relationship with the commissioner. Now, at one point in the state investigation, according to police, Teal had the city's redevelopment agency hire a convicted prostitute and stripper from a downtown Miami strip club in 2001. And the documents say that the agency's executive assistant told investigators that a supervisor fired the dancer after staffers complained about her work ethic, improper attire, her boobs were probably flying out of her bra, and unauthorized use of a city vehicle. Teal became enraged when the stripper was dismissed, and then his legal troubles really spun out of control, and the possibility of spending time in prison might have just been too much for him to handle.
Now, not to be too macabre, and it's hard to really look up because it always sends you to the suicide hotline, but I wanted to talk to you about the fact that it looks like Art Teal did his homework in terms of where is the best place to shoot yourself in the head so that you go from alive and talking and conscious to, you know, no pain and unconscious and dead the quickest. And women traditionally shoot themselves in the heart because they want to leave a good-looking corpse if they want to kill themselves. I was married to a man whose mom killed herself that way in a in a car in Miami. Gosh, would have been in the 60s. Shot herself in the heart. But men usually shoot themselves in the head. And um, he must have done his homework, as I said. But And as you shouldn't do this, but hypothetically speaking, if you were to commit suicide with a gun, where's the best place to shoot yourself? In the head. Would it be in the mouth, the side of the head, below your neck, placed upwards against your forehead? I worked for a neurosurgeon, Dr. Paul Croissant in Detroit. This is while I was home during the summer from college in Hawaii. And he told me the worst way to shoot yourself is under the chin because he had to treat several people who made that mistake. And he said, you're going to survive, but you'll blow your face off. And obviously that sucks. So one example of this is in my podcast, episode 29, the slaying of Sergeant Rocky Hunt. He was killed by a kid that got a hold of his revolver, his service revolver, and shot the officer. And then the kid ran and shot himself with the revolver under the chin and survived. He's still in jail, alive to this day. So you want to go and listen to that episode if you want to learn more about that story. But the quickest way to go from alive and conscious to dead and done is to sever your brainstem, which is sort of what Art Teal did with the shot behind the ear. You know, your brainstem, your medulla oblongata, it acts as the grand central station for all nerve activity to your body. So consciousness, breathing, heart rate, blood pressure, non-reflexive movements. It handles all of the involuntary things that your body does. Uh, Yes, that was voluntary. (laughs) Sorry. Your brainstem is inside your skull, just above the junction with the neck. So you can feel that bony protrusion behind your earlobe. Go from one side to the other and you'll cross right through the brainstem. As you can imagine, it's not really an easy spot to get to if you want to kill someone. But, you know, professionals in mobster movies usually kill people with two taps to the back of the head. If you don't shoot the brainstem, a gunshot wound elsewhere in the head, in the brain, can cause death, but it will not be instantaneous. Well, in Teal's case, he tried to do it that way and his death was not instantaneous either. Apparently on the day he committed suicide, Teal was really upset with the Miami New Times publishing the story about him having sex with the transvestite because he was most concerned about his son finding out. He had married Celestra Patton Teal and they had a son, Arthur Patton Teal, Trey. And then he divorced her and later married Stephanie Teal. That's who he was married to when he killed himself and who he loved. But he still had his son, Arthur Patton Teal, and he did not want him to know about the dark side of him. At the time, Teal was 60 years old, and the cover story, the title read, Tales of Teal, Sleaze Stories. The story was topped by four paragraphs of introductory text, was a stark compilation of investigative reports and witness depositions leading to the latest case against Teal that involved multiple counts of fraud and money laundering. And, oh, not to mention sex with a transvestite. And the investigative reporter that wrote the story felt responsible for Teal's death. He felt that his story was the reason that Teal killed himself. 
that's tough to live with. And as for Jim DeFeedy, he was a friend of Art Teal's, and he his last two columns criticized the cases against Teal as questionable, filled with holes, and possibly racially motivated. He said, I'm convinced these charges should never have been filed, and that's why Teal went to the Miami Herald to talk to him, because he was his friend, and he thought he understood what was going on. But it just everything was stacking up on this guy. They really went after him in the press, and he just couldn't take it. Very sad story. Ultimately, we will remember Art Teal as somebody who was complex, flawed, and deeply sad. And I wanted to add that some of the sound in this podcast is from a documentary called Miami Noir, the Arthur E. Teal story. It's a documentary by Josh Miller and Sam Rega. Now, changing gears, I want to tell you about Mirror Image Twins. It's a type of identical twin. So the term mirror image is used because the twins, when they're facing each other, appear as matching reflections. They've got the same physical features, but some are opposite. For example, if one twin is right-handed, the other twin is going to be left-handed. And some of their organs are like on the other side of the body. Mirror image twins are a type of identical twin. It's extremely rare. All mirror twins develop when one egg is fertilized by one sperm to produce a single zygote. Now the zygote starts to develop into one embryo, but at some time during the first two weeks after conception, the developing embryo splits into two identical parts. Each part develops into a baby. So that's unlike fraternal twins that have two eggs that are fertilized and sometimes they have two separate amniotic sacs. They are not identical. These two babies are genetically identical. They share 100% of their genes and are always the same sex. Sometimes, however, the split occurs later than usual in the embryo's development. Now, although the developing embryo is still very small, when it splits, it already has a right side and a left side. And those twins that form in this situation are mirror image twins. About 25% of mirror image twins fit this description. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And then finally, I really, really, really don't ever want to get this rare genetic degenerative brain disorder. It's called fatal familial insomnia. It's characterized by an inability to sleep that may be initially mild but progressively worsens, and it leads to significant physical and mental deterioration. The first case was actually diagnosed in a little town in Italy. So if you are of Italian descent, I would be worried. It's inherited and it mainly affects the thalamus, and there's currently no effective treatment for FFI. But research for the treatment is ongoing, and death usually occurs after 12 to 18 months of the first symptoms showing up because the person is completely exhausted. The first reported case was an Italian man who died in Venice in 1765, and that's where it started. Now, other symptoms include profuse sweating, pinpoint pupils, the sudden entrance into menopause for women, and impotence for men, neck stiffness, elevation of blood pressure and heart rate. You're constipated as well. What a way to go. Holy shit. And as the disease progresses, you become stuck in a state of pre-sleep limbo which is the state just before sleep in healthy individuals. Now, during these stages, people commonly and repeatedly move their limbs as if dreaming. 
Oh, the age of onset is variable from 18 to 60 years old, the average being 50. You can have some genetic testing and they can detect the disease, but death usually happens 7 to 36 months from onset. The presentation of the disease varies considerably from person to person, even among people within the same family. In some cases, it affects the entire family. It wipes out a whole family. Fatal familial insomnia disease will kill you. Your life expectancy ranges from seven months to six years with the average of 18 months until death. In 1998, 40 families were known to carry the gene for FFI globally. Eight German, five Italian, four American, two French, two Australian, two British, one Japanese, and one Austrian. As of 2016, 24 cases of sporadic fatal insomnia have been diagnosed. There was an Egyptian man in 2001 in the Netherlands who presented with this disease. The man came in with symptoms of double vision and progressive memory loss, and his family also noted he had recently become disoriented, paranoid, and confused. While he tended to fall asleep during random daily activities, he experienced vivid dreams and random muscular jerks during normal slow-wave sleep. After four months of these symptoms, he started having convulsions in his hands, his body, and lower limbs while awake, and he died at the age of 58, seven months after the onset of his first symptoms. The autopsy revealed mild atrophy of the frontal cortex and moderate atrophy of the thalamus. The latter is one of the most common signs of fatal familial insomnia. I need a nap. I'm exhausted. That wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to check me out on Instagram, Full Rigor Podcast, and please give me five stars. Until next time, thanks for joining me. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.